0: to smoke about this time of the day, and all this sh- is keeping me to where I can't go do it. Now, I'm gonna go do it.
1: Well, hello, and welcome to About This Time of Day, a teen mom podcast, where we are living in 2009 and would like to stay there. My name is V, I am your host, and this is the podcast where we just chill... Smoke some weed, talk some trash about Teen Mom. It's one of my favorite things to do, and I'm so glad that you can join me for it. In this episode, we're going to talk about episode three of Teen Mom. O.G. Fallout. Here's what that description reads. Caitlin's family lashes out over her choice of adoption. Okay. While Amber and her fiancé, Gary, come to blows. Oh, shit. Really? Okay. All right. learns that dating isn't easy. Are you fucking kidding me? And Macy struggles to balance motherhood and school. Really? Macy's going to struggle to do something. This will be interesting, you guys. I'm excited for this episode. This episode's companion strain and or product, however you would like to think of it, is a full-spectrum oil cartridge of Platinum OG. It's pretty nice so far. I can definitely tell a difference now um, between typical oil cartridges and what are considered full spectrum because I really wasn't paying attention before. I really didn't care. I still don't really care that much. But I will say this pack's a larger punch than what I had been token on for the rest of this week. I get special cartridges just for these podcasts, you guys. So y'all should feel really special. I'm spending a lot of money on you guys, okay? And it's all going straight to my fucking lungs. This episode of Teen Mom starts with Caitlin. Wow, I'm surprised. Congratulations, Caitlin, for having the starting role of an episode. But we meet up with Caitlin and Tyler at their high school football game caitlin and tyler appear to be having a great time they're talking with their friends they're enjoying each other's company and they're really just getting to soak in being high schoolers being teenagers being child free essentially so kudos to them i'm happy that they can experience that and kind of do it guilt free at least on the surface the scene transitions to, I believe, the next day, Caitlin and Tyler are hanging out at Caitlin's place, and they get a message from Brandon and Teresa with an update on Carly and a couple of cute pictures attached as well. They're both very excited to get this news, and we're very excited to see baby Carly. Um, we need to take it in while we can, guys, because realistically, we're not that far off from when Brandon and Teresa forbid Carly's image from being shown on TV. But for now, we get these cute pictures and we get this happy reaction from Caitlin and Tyler. Tyler starts an interesting conversation with Kate. He says to her, you know, we may not be Carly's parents, but we certainly did avoid bringing her any of our problems. I mean, think about it, Kate. How many times have you said to yourself, I'm never going to do what my parents did to me to my kid. I'm never going to pass on that anger is essentially what he's saying really an astute observation. I'm only just now learning about family trauma and how that gets passed down through generations. That's something I never really considered before. And we have Tyler here as a 17 year old saying exactly that about themselves and their situation with Carly and how they avoided passing on that family trauma to her. I think that's really cool and we have to respect Tyler for that observation. Kate, on the other hand, takes us a little defensively. The camera pans to her face when Tyler says, you know, you may not be Carly's parents. And Caitlin shoots him a look right away, instantaneously. I think she takes a little offense, obviously, to anybody telling her that she's not a parent. Because, I mean, think about it. He's telling her, yeah, all that childbirth you went through, you know, those hours of labor. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really count. We're not really parents. Oh, well, that's shitty. I don't blame her. I would be a little perturbed as well. Tyler quickly realizes the tension he's just created and stumbles through the rest of his spiel about how she and Tyler should both be very proud of themselves as parents for accomplishing breaking that cycle for Carly. And Caitlin, not skipping a beat, comes back and says, oh yeah, I agree because we are parents. We're going to be for the rest of our lives. And she kind of makes it a light correction, which I think is a great way to go about it, especially as teenagers. She doesn't get shitty about it. And he understands that he fucked up even before she says anything. You can just tell by his demeanor. He starts speaking a little faster. He gulps in the middle of a sentence. It's very obvious that he gets nervous. And Caitlin... Agrees with what he's saying as a whole, but wants to make sure he knows, no, we're parents. We're always going to be parents. So good on her for at least stepping up and saying that. Our next scene with Caitlyn is a short one, but a very telling one. We have Caitlyn and Tyler with Tyler's mom, Kim, talking about how Butch still hasn't accepted the adoption. And according to Caitlyn's voiceover, it's been two months only since the adoption. Why the fuck can't I understand time frames here? Tyler's mom, Kim, asks Tyler, have you been back to see Butch? Have you called him? Have you reached out to him at all? Tyler's like, fuck no. His turn to come to me. His turn to make the first move. I'm not doing it this time. Which I think is a very important line in the sand to draw when you're dealing with any kind of toxic person in your life. But especially when that person is A, an addict, and B, your parent. But Kim might be a little bit threatened by his emotional maturity, and we see her have the following reaction.
0: He should just call me, right? He's a Or dad. you should call Mom. him. He's a dad. He should call me. Are you going to go see him? Nope, not this time. You have a bigger heart. Come on now. I didn't raise you like that. Seriously. <laughs> I know. I'm not joking. But with him, I want him to learn, so he's never going to learn anything if I just go back to him. It's not your job to teach him anything. It's your job just to forgive, learn to forgive It's not about forgiveness, mom It's about him proving that he wants to change and should Well, you should just suck it up Go talk to him and let the ball be in his court Okay, you've done your your piece, you've said your piece Mm -hmm. You should be done with it
1: So I feel like Kim says two different things here. Tyler, go reach out to your dad. And then by the end of it, she's saying, well, you know, you said your piece, you should be done with it. Does she mean after he goes to talk to him, he'll have said his piece? I feel like the ball has already been in Butch's court for a while now. And Kim is maybe grasping at straws here, thinking that, oh, well, if Tyler reaches out, they'll make up and they'll become friends again and everything will be just peachy keen. She's completely ignoring what Tyler is saying. Tyler is saying, I don't want to do that. It's not about forgiveness. It's not about getting along. It's about Tyler having his own boundaries. That's what we see him trying to create here, and Kim actively invalidating that. Caitlyn's next scene is also very Tyler-focused. We catch up with Caitlyn and Tyler in a car with Caitlyn's mom, April, driving. And I'm not sure where they're going or where they're coming from, but the conversation eventually turns to Tyler and Butch. Tyler and Butch. Is Tyler going to talk to Butch? Is Butch going to talk to Tyler? Apparently, April says that Butch has been asking if Tyler has a cell phone. It sounded like he wanted to give him a phone call. So logically, instead of waiting for Butch to give Tyler that phone call and making that first step, April decides to ask Caitlin to give Butch a call. To what end, I don't know. But she calls Butch and says, "'Hey, Butch, I'm with your son, you know?' And essentially there's this awkward conversation like, "'Hey, when are you going to talk to Tyler?' And Butch is like, "'Well, I'll talk to him when I want to talk to him alone.'" Like kind of man-to-man sort of thing. Honestly, I don't really blame him for that response. Should he have just stopped right then and there and said, "'Yeah, you know what? Hand the phone to Tyler. Let me say a few things to him and he and I can talk more later?' Absolutely. That would have been preferable." But, you know, you're kind of putting him on the spot, and he probably knows you're filming, and Butch doesn't really seem like the kind of guy to wear his heart on his sleeve. The scene ends with Butch telling Caitlin to let Tyler know that he can come over that night when they all have dinner or whatever they're planning on doing. He just says, "We'll have him come over tonight. That ends the conversation with Caitlin and Butch, and Caitlin just turns to Tyler, who's in the back seat, and says, well, did you hear that? And Tyler says, yep. Sure did. That is where we leave off with Caitlin and Tyler for this little scene. It's not long in the episode before we're back with Caitlin once again. The scene starts in a car, we see it's later in the day, and Caitlin's voiceover lets the viewer know that the later tonight we heard her discuss on the phone with Butch earlier in the episode, is actually them going out for bowling, which I think is really fun. I've always been a fan of bowling. I've also always been a nerd. So I'm excited they're going to get some family time together. So they're over there, ideally to pick up Butch, but then Butch comes out of the house and says, hey, are you riding with me? And Tyler's not really sure what he just heard. April has to repeat for him, are you riding with him? Are you riding with me? And he's like, oh, oh yeah, sure, I guess, why not? And he gets out of the car. He goes with Butch. And i think that's really impressive good for him because butch did reach out here and tyler is doing just as he said i'm waiting for him to reach out when he reaches out i'm happy to talk to him so we're seeing that come to fruition here and i think that's great unfortunately i do have to say the forthcoming car ride that we as viewers get to witness is a little awkward Butch is shown not really talking to Tyler and calling somebody on his phone. We don't hear a conversation, so I'm not sure who he was supposed to be calling. We see Tyler pull out his phone in attempt to escape the awkwardness, but it's when they park where Butch really gets serious. Tyler tries to get out of the car and Butch says, hey, where are you going? Come here, I want to talk to you. And he's like, what, dad? You know, typical teenager. But obviously here there's more tension than just typical teenager. Their conversation starts well enough and I think it ends pretty well too. You're going to hear the hesitation in my voice. We'll get into that in just a second. It starts off well enough with Butch saying to Tyler, look, you're an adult now. You did what you did. No one can change it. No one can take it back. Uh, Okay, I I, I get what he's going for and for Butch compared to what we've heard from him, this is... Civil. My therapist told me to focus more on neutrality, so that's what I'm going to do here with Butch. I'm going to take that as a neutral statement. Butch continues to say, I don't want to mess you up right now. Mm-hmm. But what if your baby was sitting in your arms right now? Think about that. Now, why? Why? We were, we were so neutral just a second ago, Butch. Now we're, we're kind of into the manipulation again. I'm pulling the power card on you to make you feel a certain way so I can get my point across a little easier. Tyler goes on to say, well, who wants to give their child away? That was probably the hardest thing Tyler's ever had to do in his entire life. So he's trying to make Butch understand, like, no, I would not have given my child away if I thought I had a choice. And why don't we listen to what Butch says in return?
0: If I can see her and hold her and kiss her and smell her, I don't care if I can live in this truck with yeah. that baby and feed him. I'll be knocking on doors, man, hey, you get some food for my baby. you know what I mean? yeah. But I got it. But you know what? I commend you for picking a great couple. Brandon and what's her name? Teresa. I mean, they're I think
1: they're a, they're a great couple for my grandma. Woohoo! Tyler just got recognition from Butch. Holy shit. Yes, he said a lot of fucked up shit leading up to that. A hundred percent he did. Uh, like he would be okay going door to door to feed his baby instead of just putting his pride aside and thinking maybe there's somebody better out there. Like oh, I don't know, Brandon and Teresa, who might take care of my child when I am not able to. Butch is still not seeing that it's not a sign of weakness to do this. He's trying to prove some kind of difference between him and Tyler in that Butch would endure hard times, not thinking about how those hard times are affecting a child, And that somehow makes him different. I guess Butch doesn't come out and say stronger, but I think that's the implied notion here. It makes him stronger for that. Whereas Tyler doesn't get to hold his baby in his arms, even if it meant having to hold his baby while going door to door asking for food or money or what. Honestly, a plan like that just leads to door slams. It's not a viable nor sustainable option to support a family. So for Butch to say that out loud is just... It's exhausting to hear. Let's keep listening.
0: Well, I think you'll come to find that that is the best thing in the future. and uh, It works for me, son. Man. Well, I'm glad that it uh... does. Let's put it this way. You're my son. I love you. I miss you. Yeah. Period. Uh, I miss seeing you. you know, we don't hate We don't hate you. Okay, let's go. Let's come on. Well, what else were you gonna say, Dad? <laughs> <To finish laughs> what you were gonna say. I, say. I miss you, man, you're
1: my son. So at first listen, I have to say that I didn't know what else Tyler was looking for here. We just heard Butch straight up say, that choice that you made for Carly is okay with me. This is what we've been waiting for, but Tyler clearly is waiting for something else, something more.
0: Well, I miss you too. What? But I was waiting for you. Dad, to call me and I
1: know
0: because Dad, you never remember in my life before, and I and I was not. I'm sorry. <laughs> let's go. See how All I right, do that. Dad. Wow. Okay, let's go.
1: All right, Dad. Did you hear that? That defeated tone in Tyler's voice as he conceded to what his dad wanted. See, here's another thing that I haven't noticed in my years of rewatching this show. Tyler, I'm sure he's happy that he got that validation finally from Butch that what he did for Carly was okay with Butch, but you hear Tyler bring up something that is a little bit more important to him even than Carly. It's, hey, you weren't ever there, dad, and I was waiting for you to reach out to me in all this, so you also need to be taking responsibility here for what you did not do. Tyler is still a kid. He needs a role model. He needs a father figure and he hasn't had one in Butch and he needs Butch if he's going to come halfway and say, look, it was okay with me that you placed Carly for adoption. Then he needs to go all the way and say, I'm sorry that I did not reach out to you sooner. And I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you when you needed me the most as a father. And we hear Butch say sorry. We also hear Butch interrupt Tyler in order to say sorry. It is an apology but it's not a very good one and that's something i wouldn't have noticed without my good friend kimmy schmidt (laughs) if anybody watches the unbreakable kimmy schmidt on netflix there is a moment where she meets up with her estranged mother and she thinks everything's going great she apologized for leaving her behind but then kimmy's friend titus tells her no she's not apologizing she's not letting you get a word in edgewise so she doesn't have to feel bad about the shit that she knows that she put you through So now I'm watching this scene through that lens and seeing Butch do that same thing here. He doesn't want to hear it. He does not. He's got his hands over his ears. He doesn't want to hear how he's hurt Tyler in the past. He ends the conversation abruptly and Tyler goes along with it because he's probably thinking at this point, this is as good as it's going to get. Tyler and Butch step out of the car and they do share a long hug where they both tell each other that they love each other and they missed each other and it does have a happy-ish ending, but I just can't help but feel that Tyler's needs went unfulfilled here. Yeah, okay, Butch kind of reached out first, but not really. And Butch is kind of apologizing, but not really. You're kind of getting validated, but not really. That's what Tyler has to be satisfied with. We then cut to commercial, but come right back to Caitlin and Tyler, where we see them having fun in the bowling alley with their family and a couple of their friends, too. In the middle of it, Caitlin does this weird thing that, again, prompted, she asks Butch out of nowhere, so Butch, how was your talk with Ty? And Butch right away is just like, hey, you know what? That's none of your business. I don't want to be rude or anything, but, you know, that's between me and my son. <laughs> and I can't... <laughs> You just had that whole conversation. You knew those cameras are in your car. Shit's going to come out eventually. I understand maybe not wanting to divulge that in front of your son's friends, too. Um, Maybe if it were just the family, he would have said, hey, well, we said this. It went good, blah, blah, blah. But instead, he gets defensive. Tyler does reassure Caitlin and everybody that the talk went well. And Butch says, oh, I love my son. And he pats him hard on the chest like a man. Caitlin's voiceover ends out that short little scene by saying, I'm so glad that Tyler and Butch are getting along again. I hope it lasts. So once Butch and Tyler make up, as far as the viewer knows, that does continue. But the next time we come in with Caitlin, she and her mom are hanging out on the couch in their house, playing with their dog. And Caitlin's voiceover says, since Butch and Tyler have made up, it's been a lot less tense around the house. So that's great. Hugh Butch walking over from the other room, sitting down. And April brings up that Carly's four-month birthday is coming up very soon. Butch says, Wow, Carly's going to be four months old? Don't you just miss her? What the fuck, Butch? Are you kidding me right now? This is, this is what I see happening here. Butch just made up with Tyler, and so he can no longer say these things to Tyler anymore. He can no longer express these feelings that he has about Carly to Tyler anymore. So who's the only person that's left that's going to hear his opinions? That's right, Caitlin.
0: I can't understand how someone can give their baby away. You don't even know what you're talking about, so let's end this piece. Make me understand. Nope. Cause convince you can't. me, sell me. Nope. If you didn't want to, you Why can't. Why is it got to turn into an argument? I know. Because she's getting all smart. No, because I don't feel like fighting with you, so it's done. You ain't going to fight with me. I'm going to tell you like it is, period. It doesn't matter. I You're the I one know. that's got to live with everything you did. Yeah. Like I do. I live with everything I did. I'm if on you, one way, right? If you weren't selfish, then maybe you could have done it. Selfish. If you had a child and you couldn't give them for adoption when it was the best thing, then you're selfish. As long as you feel what you did was the best thing. That's you know. fine, I'm, I'm, that I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Well, obviously that's what are. I would do. That's fine. I, never had I, don't a I don't life. care. I don't care. That so get you stuck where you guys can't say nothing. Nope, I just don't listen. Yeah, you're stuck. No, I'm right, we just want to admit No, you're not, you're actually 100% wrong. Yeah, I don't feel 100% wrong. It's because you haven't been out in the real world for more right. than 10 years.
1: So once again, we have Caitlyn here handling herself in the most mature way possible while still standing up for herself. Well, there's this inebriated, most likely, were you listening to his voice, man coming at her about the most difficult decision she has ever had to make, telling her that it was wrong after literally just trying to tell Tyler that he's okay with it. What the fuck are you trying to play here, dude? Caitlyn clearly becomes Butch's new target in this moment. Another thing I've never noticed before. Please be aware this next clip has a lot of yelling.
0: You got a tattoo of your kid you don't even have. Go back to yeah. prison where you You can afford that, dog. Not listening. You know, I'm gonna tell you. Not listening. Boy, I know you, you, you hear he's me. Not listening. If you were mine, I'd be slapping the s*** at you. Well. See, mom, you let him talk to me like this. You won't say anything to your fricking husband and he's sitting there stealing. You know it, mom. You know it. You know what? You can't win with me, Kayla. I don't give a because f- you're a f- loser and a f be better present your whole that. life. Yeah, I get yeah. that. And you're f- <laughs> in a Hey, and a Hey, go You and get me. You better not get off. Oh, you don't no. yeah. at me. See my house. See, you're, you're the kid. From. I'm the mom. So, so why you, why get you get violent with me? me? You get violent up with up me? Yeah. What do you mean, mom? You're going to choose your boyfriend over me again. What? That's so what I Used I'm, to it. I'm not her boyfriend. I'm her husband. I'm I hate all you guys. Yeah. Seriously. Look at my daughter that I gave away. I wouldn't want her here with you because you're a
1: piece of. Wow, that is some extremely heavy dialogue. And I do want to point out when I say Caitlin is being mature in her responses, I mean that she's not exploding in a way that. I personally would when being talked to in that manner. We do finally see her explode once Butch starts threatening violence against her. If you were mine, I'd be beating your ass. Who the fuck says something like that? And Caitlin's right to stand up and be like, mom, why the fuck are you letting him talk to me like that? Whoa, yeah, good question. April's just sitting there letting her husband say that he's going to beat her daughter. Oh, if If her daughter was his, then she'd be beaten right now. What the fuck? April says nothing. You only hear her get up and saying, hey, cut it out, when Caitlyn throws like a pencil or something small at Butch. And no, violence is never the answer. But right now, Caitlyn's probably feeling completely out of control, completely backed into a corner and completely undefended. I personally can't hear what April says in response to Caitlin calling her out on her shit, saying, there you go, mom, picking your boyfriends over me again. They're talking over each other, so I can't hear what leads up to April saying, so get used to it. But something tells me no matter what she says before that, it's not going to make that statement excusable in any way, shape or form. What the fuck do you mean, get used to it? And of course, April is not without her own vices. She may be in the throes of addiction at this point too because she does not look as glowing and healthy as she did a few episodes ago. And it makes me wonder if maybe she's on the sauce. I don't know. She doesn't sound drunk here, but she doesn't look that great. And she's certainly not jumping to Caitlyn's aid whatsoever. Once Caitlyn goes up into her room and slams the door, she calls Tyler's mother, Kim, and tells Kim that she just needs to get out of there. She's crying. She's desperate. She needs a way out. The scene cuts away. We don't hear Kim's answer, but we certainly feel for Caitlyn, and I want her to get the fuck out of there, too. Caitlyn's final scene of the episode starts off with her packing her things. Caitlyn's voiceover says that she knew her home was not a good place for Carly, but now she's realizing it's not a good place for her, either. Kim has been gracious enough to allow Caitlyn to come over to their house with Tyler and spend some time over there. We see Caitlin and Tyler sitting outside of Tyler's house, Caitlin just recapping the argument that just happened at her house for Tyler and for the viewer. She mostly focuses on the way April puts her boyfriends in front of Caitlin all the time. And I don't blame her, that's a terrible takeaway from any argument, from any discussion. Caitlin even mentions that she doesn't remember a lot of the fight because her adrenaline was pumping so hard. So we know that that fight was traumatic for her, especially considering that she was starting to acclimate and starting to feel safe. Then that happens. That just kind of ruptures what you understand of safety. Tyler sits next to her listening to everything she's saying, being a good boyfriend. He just comments that he feels like everything's falling apart. Based on his facial expression, I want to say that there are feelings behind his eyes that he's not saying. In fact, he starts to talk and say something, but Caitlin interrupts him, continuing to talk about her mom and how she loves her mom, but when shit like this happens, it's just no one wins. Okay, but what was Tyler going to say? Now, since he's feeling like, oh, I guess I should just shut up, she doesn't want to hear what I have to say... He just tells her he loves her, and she says, I'm really happy to have you. They cuddle up together, and that ends out their scene. I want to know what Tyler was going to say. Because he's been through a ton of shit this episode. Most of this episode has been about him. And we don't really see Caitlin and Tyler talking about it. And maybe that's Tyler's way. Maybe he doesn't want to talk about it. Does he ever get to say his piece? Not in this episode, because now we're about to go into the montage. So I'm sorry, Tyler. That said, it certainly doesn't diminish or devalue anything that Caitlyn just went through because that was awful too. These two kids have been dealt a shit hand. If they could be there for each other in an equal way, that would be the best thing for them. Next up, we have Farah. And as you heard in our description of the show, she's still dating. We enter in on her first scene in the episode with her talking to Shaq on the phone, the same guy she was dating in the last episode. I'm honestly surprised he's still talking to her. I really don't think they looked like they got along at all, but whatever. What do I know? They're planning a date for later that night. He says that he's going to call her when he gets back in town. I'm not sure where he is. It's not really important. The basic premise here is that she has plans tonight that don't involve Sophia. And the scene continues to her telling Miss Deborah and Michael, her dad, about those plans. It goes about as well as you would expect. Farrah sits down and asks the two of them, Hey, would it be okay if you watched Sophia while I went out to dinner? Okay, so let's think about this. We're three episodes in, and we've seen Farrah without Sophia. Mm, Just a quick head count in my mind, I'll say at least, oh God, at least eight times, maybe ten. And here we have her asking for permission, essentially, to leave Sophia behind. Now, I have mixed feelings about this, which I'll explain in just a moment. But let's first listen to Deborah's reaction to Farrah once again asking for free babysitting.
0: At the age you are, you shouldn't be doing these things. At the age that I am, at the mature level that I am, that I know better and I know not what to do and what to do, Mom. Listen to me. I will watch Sophia Sophia tonight. Okay, thank you. But you should be more responsible. I am, Mom. I'm making sure that somebody's there to watch. If you by all means farm it all out. That's good. Okay, by all means, um, so that if you guys think you can't handle watching Sophia, I can handle it, Farah. Oh, I'm farming out motherhood. No, I just need you to understand. I'm not going to stand here and go. through this anymore and I'm going to go eat
1: okay we'll have a good time so Deborah brings up the most salient point which is Farah's age at the age you're at you shouldn't be doing things like this which is a weird argument but I'm not going to discuss that right now what I want to talk about is if Farah was an adult on her own She could hire a babysitter. She could hire a nanny. She could farm out motherhood, as Deborah so eloquently puts it. She would be completely within her right to farm out motherhood. I think it's crazy that Deb does continue to, I'll watch her tonight, and Farah immediately stops listening. You can tell as soon as she says, Okay, she's not listening anymore. You've given her what she wants, Deb. Anything you say after that is null and void. It does not matter. We see Deb leave the room as she says that she's going to go eat, and that ends out that first scene with Farrah. Farrah's next scene begins later that evening, when she is getting ready for her date with Shaq. They have plans to go out to dinner, I believe, nothing too much more fancy than that, but she's getting all dolled up. You can tell she's very excited, and I'm going to look past her abandoning Sophia for a moment and just look at her pretty dress you know (laughs) as she's getting ready she receives a fatal text message Shaq can no longer attend the dinner he has practice in the morning and coach won't let him go out weird it's pretty clear now at this point Shaq has used practice to get out of seeing her more than once i'm a little surprised that she's as dumbfounded with this text as she is because you and i both know that this hasn't really seemed like anything to begin with it might just all be in her head and she might just be getting off on dating a college boy she's kind of like me where she doesn't like receiving bad news like that through text message and gives shaq a phone call in that exact moment (laughs) and that's totally something i would do too She gives him a call and they just kind of talk really quickly about what was it he was texting her? She just got her phone. That's what she says to him. He just repeats exactly what he said in the text message. Yeah, coach is doing bed checks. I can't can't hang out tonight. Sorry. And she's like, okay. She's not happy about it, but their conversation pretty much ends. He tells her to have a good time tonight. And she says, oh, don't worry, I will. And she does continue to go out. She went out to dinner with her friend who came with her to the football practice in the last episode and basically tells her everything that just happened. You know, I can't believe this. He totally ditched me, blah, blah, blah. And as they're talking, she gets another text message from dear old Shaq that says, oh, decided to go out with the guys tonight. Sorry. Sorry. First of all, I guess it's good that he texted her that, because I feel like this was still in the time where it could show up on social media later, like Facebook or MySpace probably back in those days, but I don't see why he had to, like, fuck up her night that much more. I don't know which is worse. I'm not sure what the right way to do that is. Really, ideally, it would just be not lying to her in the first place and being like, yo... I don't want to do this anymore. I'm kind of over MTV and dating a high schooler. So, but he doesn't want to do that. Instead, he leads her on like this. And just like with Cole, we see Farah drive on over on the advice of her friend, her friend sitting there at the dinner table with her saying, "Well, you should really go over there and talk to him right now." And figure out what's going on and she's like yeah I really should (laughs) like why why do you have to do that right now girl enjoy your night weren't you supposed to be going out and enjoying your night I guess have y'all never gone like on a spite date with yourself like where you take yourself out on a date and it's not sad yeah it feels fucking good so Fair should be going out right now forgetting all about baby Sophia and living her best fucking life because fuck you, dude. You want to ditch me and hang out with some stupid fucking football players? But no, Farah takes the advice of her friend and heads right on over there. <laughs> she must have texted him or called him on the way because he starts walking out as soon as she starts walking up the steps. Or maybe he saw the camera crews from the window. We see Farah here once again trying to get a better answer Than what she was already given multiple times. We saw her do this with Cole too, and that girl who messaged her. There wasn't any real new information, just like she doesn't get any new information here with Shaq. He says the same thing. Yeah, Coach was saying that we couldn't go out tonight. He was doing bed checks. We have practice in the morning, and Farah adds in. And then you decided to come here. Apparently, they're at just like a party house or something, maybe a fraternity house. I don't really know. Doesn't really matter. Shaq doesn't really have too much more to say other than my bad next time we should plan ahead when I don't have practice. It sounds like you have practice every time that Farah wants to hang out, once again leading the viewers and I to believe that you just don't want to hang out with her. Farrah still doesn't quite understand this concept And we see her, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, we should plan ahead next time, you know. And just, you know, if plans change, I still want to hang out with you and all this stuff. And maybe acting a little desperate. But she ends up giving him a fucking hug and saying, I'm glad we talked. Bitch, what did you even talk about? Did you resolve anything? Is this going to change things in the future? You kind of bombarded him on his night out with the guys after he was pretty clear that he didn't want to see you and I'm not saying that that was a cool thing for him to do to ditch her but we're talking about boundaries right he's sending a clear message I don't want to see you tonight and Farah probably threw him for a fucking loop showing up with MTV to this party to put him on the spot about why he ditched her you're not really going to get a good answer ever Farah, when you do that so maybe think of a better plan of attack Unfortunately, the plan that Farah did go through with ends up backfiring on her. When we next see Farah, she lets the viewer know that Sophia is being looked after by her grandparents tonight, aka Deb and Michael, because Shaq wants to meet up. Things have been weird between them lately. Yeah, Farah, you fucking ambushed the kid at a party, and honestly, like I've been saying, he's not that into you. Farrah goes on out to meet up with Shaq. They are having pizza at a cute little pizza place. And the conversation starts out pretty normally. How have you been? What's going on? And it's still the same dead tones in both of their voices, which makes me wonder, what are either of you fucking doing there? Well, Shaq enlightens us.
0: I just feel like me being 18, just turning 18 in freshman in college, and... Mm-hmm. To you being 18 and having a baby already, you're more mature than me. And, I mean, yeah. looking for something more serious. Than what you're just, looking for right now. Yeah. 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 You should have well, just been like, upfront with me about it, you know? I was, because I, I thought that was what I wanted, but then it was just like too much at one point in time. <laughs> it was too so, much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we're going to be together, I want to be there like, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do like you and everything. But I just have to understand that, I gotta tell you now then, just wait and, you know. I understand, yeah. I never thought I'd get dumped just because I have a baby.
1: Oh, okay, finally. Oh my gosh, what took you so long? I mean, honestly, this is one of the worst TV relationships I've ever had to witness. So far. But I can't even hate on Shaq for the way he went about it. It's clear he's probably done this a few times, and he leads with a lot of complimentary statements. You're way more mature than I am, you know what you want, I'm not ready for this type of thing, you know, that's the vibe he's coming off with. But Farrah does have a point. You should have been upfront about this. It's not like he didn't know she had a kid, it's not like he didn't know she was on MTV, which makes me wonder if maybe he just did this for the clout. You know, yo, I'm on MTV, I'm so cool, look at me, that kind of thing. And that's that's shitty no matter how you slice it. So you can give all the compliments you want, Jack, but if that was your motive this whole time, fuck you. No one deserves to go through that, not even Farah. And we see her very disappointed here. You heard her end voiceover say that she never thought she'd get dumped. Long pause. For having a baby. I like how the editing worked there because we kind of get the picture that Farah probably never thought she'd be dumped ever. And yet, because she has this baby, she thinks she's getting dumped. Yeah, it's because of Sophia. It has nothing to do with you surprising him at a party after he told you that he wasn't going to see you that night and was trying to be honest with you saying that he went out after all. Has nothing to do with that whatsoever. No, it's Sophia's fault. Mm hmm. So, for transparency's sake, I will say there is a small scene here that I'm just gonna breeze over. Farah goes out to lunch with one of her friends and Sophia, surprisingly, lets her friend know that, yeah, me and Chuck aren't talking anymore, and just kind of explains that whole story to her. It's just a repeat scene, just kind of reminding the viewer that Farah is still here, because if you've noticed, we haven't seen a lot of her this episode, and that's okay. <laughs> Next up, we see Macy. She's hanging out with some of her friends who are about to leave for college. If you remember in our first episode of Teen Mom, Macy was really struggling with the fact that they only had two months to plan her wedding and her friends were leaving for college in like exactly two months. So they had to get going. But now that the wedding is officially canceled, something they are discussing in this scene, we no longer have to worry about that, and now Macy is just having to face the fact that her friends are moving off to college, and since Ryan's a fucking douchebag, Macy's moving back home with mom and dad. I gotta say, that is a tough position to be in. Macy is looking at her friends, having this conversation, and thinking to herself, These were my exact plans. Two years ago, I had plans to go off to college with these friends standing right in front of me. We hear Macy mention wanting to go to races every weekend, never coming home, always going out, doing this, doing that. And now because of sweet little potato bug Bentley, I don't know why I've gone to call him that, but that's what we're going to call him. Little potato bug Bentley. Macy has to change these plans and she's got to make college work for her in her own environment. She's actually talking to her friends in this scene also about how she wants to take online classes so that she can continue to stay home with Bentley and really have that flexibility in her schedule. Her friends suggest, have you thought about daycare for Bentley while you go to school? I guess Macy's mother, who usually would watch Bentley during the day for her, has gone back to work at What Macy refers to as the office, which I can only assume is her father's dental office, where Macy also did part-time work. So since mom's no longer in the picture for babysitting, we have to think of some alternatives. Macy doesn't seem too thrilled about the idea of daycare, which I get. I would be really apprehensive, especially these days, COVID notwithstanding, to hand over my baby to anybody. The scene ends with her friends kind of rubbing it in like, wow, it's so weird. This time last year, we were going in a senior year and you were moving out with Ryan. Now you're going back home and we're going to college. Everybody's laughing and it's a light moment. Macy's laughing too, but I would be like, yeah, I fucking know. Thanks. Thanks. But after that comment, Macy's voiceover comes in just summarizing once again all the things that she has had to change and all the things she has had to sacrifice to be Bentley's mom. The next time we see Macy, she's giving little potato bug Bentley a bath in the sink. And her voiceover is letting the viewers know that since she and Ryan have broken up, they are splitting custody and she is just about to go drop Bentley off with Ryan's parents, Larry and Jen to then go help her friends pack for college they are leaving like that day they are going and that is emotional these are her friends that she's had since sixth grade she says and they've never lived apart they're all packing in her friend's room i'm not sure which friend there's about seven of them all together including macy one of her friends asks if now that they're leaving will macy start hanging out with ryan more macy says that she doesn't want to but she may get desperate she comments that she can't just call her friend. Hey, let's go here. It's not that easy anymore. Now it's a 40 minute drive out to see her best friends. So hopefully she doesn't end up hanging out with Ryan more and her friends even kind of follow up on what I think is a prompted question by saying, well, do you think you'll get back together with Ryan? And Macy says, um, not anytime soon. Definitely not. Uh, not right now. No way. So That's a pretty good, strong statement, and I feel like Macy has shown us already that she's a woman of her word, and I think that we can trust her when she says, um, I'm not going anywhere fucking near Ryan as far as that's concerned. Macy continues to help her friends get ready to head on out, and eventually they're all heading out to the car. They're saying their goodbyes and one by one, they all start tearing up, crying about how sad it is that they're leaving each other and moving on and I can't help but hear the song Graduation in my head and I'm just sitting here wishing I wish I had friends in high school like that. I had friends at other high schools like that, where we were that close, but it didn't matter if we were going off to college as long as we weren't leaving the state because we didn't see each other every day anyway. You know what I mean? By the time I was a senior in high school, no one fucking liked me and I didn't like anybody. To see Macy have this sweet moment with her friends, I love it, it's heartwarming, but legit, I can't lie, I'm a little jealous because I never had a moment like that in high school eighth grade sure but at that point are you really counting like your eighth grade graduation i don't think so you know and then college i didn't have any friends in college either god i'm lonely macy once again makes the comment that she never realized it would be this hard to watch her friends go off to college it's the same parallel that we saw with her getting married you're going off to live a completely different life than me Macy doesn't waste any time. In her next scene, we see her going to sign up for online college classes at her community school. Macy and Bentley go to meet up with a college counselor at the school, and she gets all set up with online classes. She heads home and starts to take a look at what she has to do.
0: I got all online classes, so I'm going to be staying home with Bentley all the time. I've got schoolwork to do. Here, make my status on Facebook go. Yeah. Okay, hold on. You're done. Here, I gotta check my classes real quick. Bailey, really don't open that. You better be careful. What'd you do? Be you, you ready for lunch? It's impossible to get my schoolwork done when I can't take my eyes off of Bentley.
1: Wow. Make my status on Facebook. Now that is a phrase I have not heard in a very long time. We see her behave towards Bentley in a way that I'm not familiar with. I mean, with Amber, she was just barking at Leah to stop doing things. Here we have Macy, although not necessarily watching him, watching him. He's very close to her, no further than three feet at any given time. And he's just playing with the drawers in the desk that she's working at. That's what happened. I think he bumped his head against a drawer that he opened. Totally innocuous. But she still scoops him up after she realizes that he's crying because he's bumped his head and says, hey, you know what? Are you ready for lunch? Because clearly this isn't going to work. We did hear in their conversation earlier with the college counselor that she's already been at the community college for a little bit, had to drop those classes and simply couldn't manage her time between Bentley and school. But now that she has these online classes, hopefully that'll go easier. So far, we're not seeing that. The next time we see Macy, it's over Ryan's parents' house with Bentley and Ryan. Macy's voiceover tells us that Ryan's parents aren't taking the breakup so well. We see all of them sitting in the living room, and we have Larry and Jen basically guilting Macy into trying to get back together with Ryan, saying things like, well, do you know anybody with two sets of parents? To which Macy responded, no, she doesn't. Which to me, that's extremely surprising because in 2009, I knew a ton of people with divorced families i think it's super manipulative to try to talk macy and ryan for that matter into getting back together by using the well do you know anybody else that has two sets of parents you don't want bentley to be that kid do you that's clearly what they're trying to get across here and that's not a fair statement because they don't fucking know how awful it is to live with ryan in that way They know Ryan as a son, so him being a slacker or someone who doesn't care, that's just Ryan. But Ryan as a dad needs to step the fuck up. I don't know if Mimi Jen and Larry understand that. I just i am disgusted with this conversation that they're having. Mimi Jen even says, well, you know, what's going to be terrible is if you have to share Bentley with a stepmom or if Ryan has to share Bentley with a stepdad And I can't help but think, no, that would be fucking awesome because Bentley would actually have a father figure in his life that he could depend on at that point. You know, it would it would be questionable as far as a stepmother is concerned, because who knows what Ryan would find out there. But a stepdad for Bentley who's dependable and someone Macy picked out, that sounds fucking great. Jen, what are you talking about? Larry asks, how can we work this all out? How can we work this out? And then asks Macy, do you want it to work out? And if you don't, I'll respect that. Yeah, it really sounds like you're going to respect Macy saying that she doesn't want to work things out with your son when you're literally sitting there in a like intervention sort of way, trying to get the two of them back together. I don't think any of her honesty will be accepted right now. It just doesn't feel that way in the room to me. Ryan does say he'd be willing to forget about all the arguing and all the fighting. And I will say Larry calls him out and says there's more to it than that. And hopefully, he doesn't come right out and say this, but hopefully Larry is referring to Ryan doing jack shit for Bentley. Macy comes back and says that she's still pissed off. And in the future, she would like to be together to answer Larry's question about if she wants it to work out. But right now, she's pissed. And I can't really fucking blame her. And I can't believe we have two full-grown adults trying to force these two kids together who have realized that Macy deserves better and Ryan obviously isn't that bothered being away from them and is only doing this because mommy and daddy would like him to show some interest in the situation. Macy needs to run away. I guess that's one of the teen mom teaching moments where it's like, you can't just run away from your boyfriend's parents when you have a grandchild for them in the picture. Yeah. Well, I think Macy's learning that the hard way here. The fourth girl featured in this episode of Teen Mom is Amber. We see Amber getting ready to go to her GED classes that we know she worked very hard to get ready for in the last episode. She's getting Leah ready in her baby carrier, possibly car seat. Mm hmm Gary's mom takes Leah, and they are on their way, and Amber continues on her way to her GED class. We see Amber get into her car, turn the key in the ignition, and nothing happens. Oh, fuck. Is that, that's the worst fucking feeling, especially when you have something to do, especially when you think you're like, the shit for fucking doing whatever it is you're supposed to be doing whenever my car wouldn't start before I had class or something like that in college I was like I'm trying to do the right fucking thing I got up today I didn't skip class today and this is how you were paying me I feel like that might be what Amber's thinking here I made sure Leah's baby sat today I made sure I had my shit ready to go today and now this is happening Kind of woe is me, why me? Amber heads inside and calls Gary.
0: Hey, guess what? Uh, My car's not f-ing starting again. Where are you at? I'm at the house. You don't start at all? No, no, I'm f-ing, I just said it was not starting again. I need a new car. I cannot be late for classes, and I not, cannot just not show up for classes while calling. Can't you get a ride? From who? I don't understand, What? Your mom, your mom can do it? My mom's at work. My work? What do you want me to do, baby? You're Let ready? me borrow your car? What? You cannot borrow my car, Amber. I need it to go up-
1: That sound you hear at the end is the click of a slide phone ending a phone call. She promptly hung up on Gary when he didn't give her exactly what she wanted exactly when she wanted it, but I do understand her frustration at the level their relationship is at. I believe you look at that person as someone you should always be able to depend on, and for her in this moment, she wrongly sees the only option as Gary, give me your car. Gary, give me your car. Gary, give me your car. So, In that twisted frame of mind, I see why she's so upset, but there are options here. This is before the time of Uber and Lyft. Could she call a cab? Could Gary call a cab? Does Gary have a friend who could pick her up? Where is her brother? We already saw that Gary's mom left. Is it possible that she could come back and give Amber a ride? How far away is she? Does she have a cell phone? All these questions we're not asking. Instead, Amber is choosing to have tunnel vision. It's this one solution, and if it's not this one solution, it's not going to work. We see her break down after she hangs up the phone with Gary. She covers her face, and she says out loud that she doesn't think that she can do this anymore. It is a moment of desperation. It is a moment of tunnel vision and desperation brought on probably by panic. So it's unfortunate to see this kind of end this way when it didn't even have to come to this. It it didn't even have to get this far. Really, I think the first step should be, does Gary's mom have a cell phone? Can we call her and have a round back? I don't know, maybe make it a bonding experience. It would be nice to see a little bit more clear thinking. Amber and Gary continue their arguing into the next scene we come back and meet up with amber when she is putting leah down for bed at the end of the day leah is very tired and is fussy and crying when amber puts her down i will say this is a rare moment where we see amber act just a tiny bit maternal We have her putting Leah down, and Leah starts crying. Amber starts rubbing her chest, saying, Yes, baby, but the reason you're crying is because you're so tired. It's not any, No, baby, no, none of that this time. It's, I know you're tired, you know it's time to get some rest. As Leah is finally getting to sleep, Amber is turning off the lights and about to leave the room. When we hear Gary from the other room call out to her, Amber, Amber, she needs change before she falls asleep why didn't he say anything? I don't, now you're telling her? You're telling her this now? You're mentioning it now? That's not helpful. That's just annoying. I'm, I don't think that's being too mean. I I think that's just annoying. Amber reacts kind of in the same way. I understand that, she says. I will change Leah in the middle of the night. Okay, that's, I'm going to change her in the middle of the night. And Gary won't just take this. He says, you promise? and maybe there's a history here of her saying that she would do something to help with Leah and then Gary has to do it after all, or something like that, which I would understand and I think is totally plausible, but to hear that in that moment when you're already stressed and trying to put the baby down, that's not really what you wanna hear. Amber makes a face that the camera picks up and she says, yes, I promise, I'm, I'm going to do that. I, I will do that. She closes the door behind her, leaving Leah's room and goes back into the living room with Gary. Some time passes and we hear little Leah crying from her room and she has obviously not fallen asleep or has woken back up and needs something. Amber says, Gary, can you please go handle that? And Gary answers her, no, she wants her mama. Now, on the surface, this seems like Gary is just shirking responsibility. No, no, I don't want to do that. You go handle it, Amber kind of like Ryan, but I don't think that's what we're seeing, okay? We heard just a moment ago Amber say, I'll change Leah in the middle of the night. Time passed, Leah's crying. If she needed changing already, she's probably crying because she needs to be changed, right? So I think what we're seeing here is Amber actually shirking the responsibility of changing Leah like she promised to do maybe an hour or two ago. I feel like this is definitely something Amber has done before. I can see Amber maybe concocting in her head, well, you know what? I have to deal with this and I have to deal with that. Gary goes to work all day. He doesn't even have to take care of Leah during the day. He can change a diaper or two when he gets home, which is probably true. But if you say that you're going to do something and you promise that you're going to do something, especially girl, you can't back out on that. No matter how asinine it might be, you said you were going to change Leah. And if, It turns out she doesn't need changing. You can go check on her and be like, Gary, she doesn't need change. Will you please feed her? There are compromises you can reach here. But as we've seen with Amber and Gary, they don't reach compromises. They just have rematches. This argument starts with the basic, you don't help out enough around the house, Gary. There are certain things you need to do when you have family, Gary, blah, 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 blah. And escalates to the point of, Gary, you won't let me use your car. I hate you. She actually says I hate you at the end of the argument, which, I mean, you hear it maybe even overstated a little bit. Never say you hate anything, which I don't personally believe in. I hate a lot of things. There are a lot of things I fucking can't stand and will tell you that to your fucking face. But I think to say it to your baby's father, who is paying for a lot of your shit, and just because he can't afford to buy you a car right now doesn't mean he's not doing anything. Saying that to him may be a little bit over the line, Amber. I don't think that's a very nice thing to say. To be fair, Amber is not asking Gary to buy him a new car. I was exaggerating. She's asking him to let her borrow his car. Gary says that her car, the way it is right now, which we just saw in the last scene, didn't start, can't go the high speeds. He needs it to go on the highway to get to his work. The question is, is he obligated to give up his car? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is on that. I feel like a part of me says yes. He should figure out a way to allow Amber to use his car when she needs to, not permanently. She can figure out a way to make it up to him. Maybe that night she really will change Leah's diaper just as a, you know, a treat. But I can't tell because I also think that he has a right to maintain his own property, to have a ride to work in which he is comfortable. I don't think that's asking a lot either. Again, compromise, compromises. That's a big thing we need to talk about today, you guys, apparently, with Amber and Gary. Amber delivers that, I hate you, followed by, you're so fucking irresponsible, Gary. And Gary just says, fine, hate me then. Amber's voiceover comes in and says, if Gary won't help me more, we are not going to last. And that's how the scene closes out. By the time we see Amber again, she lets us know things have not improved. She has been able to fix her car, at least somewhat, and her voiceover tells the viewer that she had to get out of the house right away. And she goes to meet up with one of her friends for lunch. Again, the obligatory lunch scene. We see baby Leah in the same baby carrier and or car seat that she's been in this entire time. I'm not sure Amber ever lets her out of there, come to think of it. And we see Amber have a conversation that we've heard already. Basically, just saying Gary doesn't appreciate me. I do so much, blah blah blah. But I found it kind of interesting what she says here.
0: He pays the bills, so oh. he he thinks like I don't do anything. That's not he, what is he is asked, But I'm dealing with a lot more than he is. You know, Gary is drama. You know what? I'm about to be. I'm about to become a bitch. I
1: seriously am. Oh, now you're going to become a bitch. Just now. Okay. (laughs) And I shouldn't make fun because she's clearly not in the best state of mind. But what a thing to say, right? Like, the only time where I've cognitively made the decision to be a bitch has been when I've been super fucking crossed. Like, you have crossed me beyond recognition, and now you have unleashed my fucking wrath that's the only time where I sit there and I'm like now I'm gonna be a bitch any other time it's purely incidental I swear I I say that half jokingly because sure there are times where everybody can come off mean and jarring like Amber you know you put all her bad moments together from a tv show you're gonna think that she's a bitch but that footage has to come from somewhere so if you weren't being a bitch already Amber I'm a little nervous to see what you have coming up for us next Right after Amber says that, Leah starts crying in her little baby carrier, and Amber tells her friend, oh, it's, it's time for us to go. They head out, and of course, Amber's car isn't actually fixed, and whatever she did fix didn't stick because it's not working and her car won't turn. She tries to call gary gary doesn't answer she's very pissed off but doesn't leave a voicemail which i'm happy about i would have really hated to see her kind of go off on him when he can't even say anything back she gets out of the car and shouts to her friend who thankfully is still in the parking lot like my car keeps breaking down i need a new car gary should give me his van he's so inconsiderate what so he can be stranded at work i guess the only difference is that he wouldn't have leah with him at that time You know, Amber has a responsibility right now to keep this baby safe. She needs a reliable vehicle in which to do that. Does that mean she should be entitled to Gary's vehicle? So Gary could risk breaking down at work or on the highway or somewhere else since, as we heard, he has to take the highway into work. I don't think that's a fair trade. Regardless, we see Amber's friend somewhat begrudgingly offer Amber a ride home and Amber accepts They start loading baby Leah into the car, and Amber's voiceover ends the scene with this gem.
0: I'm sick of Gary being so selfish, and I'm gonna let him know.
1: Ooh, so I'm just gonna say it. Given what we just heard Amber say about she's gonna start being a bitch, and now this statement comes off just a little threatening. She sounds pretty angry here, and when something like your car breaks down... For me, that would fuck up my whole day, especially because my car is my window to freedom too, so I do identify with Amber in that sense. I'm not thrilled about how she's handling it, because I'm worried about her like going off on Gary later, which I'm sure we'll all get to witness. This next scene's a tough one. I just realized what episode this is. For whatever reason, Amber's friend does not drive her back to Amber's apartment. She drops her off at her dad's instead. So she's essentially stuck at her dad's house right now. Still trying to call Gary, still not getting an answer. I guess the time frame here probably be about two to three hours from her first phone call when her car broke down to this phone call here, where Amber's father says, hey, try Gary one more time. So she does and he finally picks up.
0: Hello? Oh, oh wow. wow. Where you been? Okay, so why haven't you been answering your phone? I just got out of shower absolutely just now. You've been off work for like almost two hours. I have this wonderful bed where I like to sleep in it too sometimes. I was laying in bed. Right, Gary, I'm trying to get a hold of you because my car is broken down and I need you to come pick me up for my dad's. So you need to come get you right? You don't just go lay down when she leaves you a message. The damn car's broke down. Okay, Gary, just come over here and pick me up. I'll see you in a minute.
1: She flips her phone shut in frustration and the scene transitions into a little bit later when Gary goes to pick her up. Um, but before we get to that, I want to just analyze this conversation really quickly because uh, honestly, I don't want to dwell on this. But let's let's think about this conversation. She has been trying to get a hold of Gary for probably at least two hours, only to find out that he's actively ignoring her calls, not just being unable to answer the phone. Then also, he gets met with immediate frustration from the moment he picks up the phone. Oh, wow, someone decided to pick up the phone. Like, how shitty is that? You think that's gonna make him wanna cooperate or help you? Of course, all the frustration in the world is no excuse for what happens next. Gary does come by to pick Amber up, and it's not long at all before all three of them, Amber, Gary, Amber's dad, are in a fight. It gets to a point where Amber's father is yelling at Gary for ignoring those phone calls, and Gary reacts by saying, okay, well, I'm getting out of here because you're a fucking sourpuss. A fucking sourpuss. I mean, that sounds kind of funny, but Amber doesn't take it in a jovial manner she whips her head around from where she's sitting in the room and says who are you talking to and he says i'm talking to your dad because he's being a sourpuss and she gets up out of her seat charges towards gary pushes him into the wall puts her hand around his neck and slaps him saying you don't talk to my goddamn dad like that And for obvious reasons, I will not be playing the audio. And if you plan on watching the episode after you listen to this podcast, be aware that her language and her tone and the actions on the screen are very triggering. A lot of rage. And it it does go to show how men can abuse women. Women can abuse men. Women can abuse women. Men can abuse men. There is no gender. The same way love has no gender, unfortunately, abuse has no gender either. Amber's father tells Amber to get off of him because he understands that this is being recorded and that's a fucking felony waiting to happen because there is a child in the room. Gary is getting Leah ready to go in her carrier when Amber charges at him. Leah is not harmed, but she's right there. I can't speak for all babies, but I have memories of being in a baby carrier. 100% absolutely. Hated it. Uh, very confining. I I don't even want to think about what that's done to her psyche. At the time, this didn't get reported. Gary didn't make a police report. Obviously, Amber's father didn't make a police report. None of the producers or crew reported anything whatsoever. It wasn't until season one airing where any of this got attention at all. That's when phone calls started coming in. That's when reports started being filed by viewers. And that's when she had to face legal charges. So thank the vigilant viewers out there back in 2009, 2010, witnessing this and saying, no, that's not okay. So for as much as I wanted to be done with that scene, unfortunately, after the episode cuts to commercial, it comes right back onto Amber. We see Amber sitting with Leah on a bed in her father's apartment, regretting what she's just done and realizing the levity of the situation in front of her. She apologizes over and over again to Leah, who is sitting in her lap, just mommy didn't mean to do that, mommy's sorry which is kind of creepy to watch. I understand why she's saying that and why she is apologizing because it's necessary, but it's just so textbook abuser. I, uh, just like this next part, she asks her dad to please watch Leah so she could go outside and make a phone call. She steps out and gives Gary a call. Gary picks up the phone, and the first thing Amber says is, you know I didn't mean to hit you like that, Gary. The way she says that, you know I didn't mean to hit you like that, Gary. What does that mean? That's not, I'm sorry. That's saying, you know that I didn't mean that. Where was the sorry? Did it get cut out? Did I miss it because I was smoking? I don't know. I don't like the way it sounds. And Gary, I don't know if it's just really his reaction or if he's just trying to be a little macho. He says, I don't even care about that, Amber. I don't even care. Your dad's the one who needs to shut up. He needs to stop putting in his two cents. I don't need to hear from your dad anymore. Wow. Okay, well, maybe if there was a little bit more awareness in 2009, you wouldn't be so dismissive of this. It looks like after Gary says that about Amber's dad, Amber doesn't really respond, but then continues to ask Gary to come back over, I assume for a ride home. Gary responds that if he comes back over, it's just going to start another fight. Amber says, no, it won't. And Gary agrees to come over. Now, I do want to point out that I think this scene is very heavily edited. Amber's mouth is completely covered by her phone, so we have no idea what she's actually saying here. And since Gary is only speaking over the phone... We don't have any idea what Gary is actually responding, either. Regardless, Gary just wants you to stay safe, my friend. And that's how this scene ends. Uh, Well, I was hoping that was the last Amber scene, but there's more. We see Gary, Amber, and baby Leah heading back home. They're walking into their apartment. It looks like Gary did go out, pick her up to give her a ride. And Amber's voiceover says, I don't know how Gary and I are ever going to move on after our big fight. Yeah, me either. Let's hope you don't. But we see them upstairs discussing the state of their relationship. I feel like Amber puts him in a bit of a shitty situation again and asks, so how do you feel about our relationship right now? And he just says, I don't think you want to be with me, which I think is a pretty good assessment, Gary. We see Amber get a little indignant and says, well, that's the only thing you feel about our relationship right now. And Gary explains to her, look, you say you want it to be different. You say you want this. You say you want to work it out. But every time I turn around, something else is wrong. You're mad at me for something else. I fucked up again. Amber's response to this, she starts crying Gary goes over to her, holds her hand, which is like more than I would fucking be doing at that point. Maybe. I don't know. I'm kind of an idiot like that too, but goes over and holds her hand and says, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to change? And Amber says, I can't be with somebody who's not there for me. Gary assures Amber that he will be there for her, tells her that he loves her, but that makes Amber cry more. Gary implores her to trust him, but she says that she can't until he repeatedly shows her that he will be there for her. But clearly, we have two people here that should go their separate ways. This is maybe the first time for violence, but not the first time they've had an argument like this. And if she's saying something like, I can't believe you until you show me multiple times, it makes me think that she has already given him many opportunities, in her mind anyway to prove his ability to follow through. So I wasn't going to use this website simply to avoid the cliché, but if you or anybody you know has been a victim of domestic violence, visit loveisrespect.org. That website is still active. And I personally think it's a little bit easier to navigate than thehotline.org, which is another national domestic abuse support network that you can access for help. I definitely recommend going to loveisrespect.org. You can also call them at 1-866-331-9474 or text LOVEIS to 22522. Stay safe out there, you guys. The final montage shows Amber and Gary in the living room with baby Leah sleeping in her crib, still kind of sad, but they're kissing, so it's implied they've made up. It then goes to Macy, who hands Bentley off to Ryan, and then heads out into the garage to leave the house because they're not together. Switch to Farah heading out of the restaurant. Baby Sophia is in bed, and Farah is also in bed on her phone, probably for the first time ever we see them home at the same time. And then back to Caitlin and Tyler hugging outside of his house. Ugh, what a heavy way to end this episode, you guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this very special episode of About This Time of Day, A Teen Mom Podcast. Be sure to join us next time when we're going to talk about episode four of Teen Mom, Moving On. Hopefully that means these moms and dads will move on from some of the problems that we saw them have in this episode today. In the meantime, you can catch us on Instagram at Podcast on Instagram, same handle on Twitter. A-T-T-O-D podcast on Instagram and Twitter. That is the acronym for the show about this time of day. Or you can go old school and email A-T-T-O-D podcast at gmail.com. So I've noticed in these more serious episodes, my opinions may come across a little too strongly and i apologize for that i just want to give everybody a reminder to take this show lightly I'm, I'm trying to make you guys laugh and joke and who knows maybe i'm wrong about some things like maybe ryan's actually a really good guy or you know maybe shaq actually had feelings for Farah, and who knows, maybe sometimes it's okay to have a picnic table in a room where you don't intend on having a picnic.
0: You don't even know what you're talking about, so let's add this piece. Just strung out a weed. Don't leave.